The previous Mishnah taught that when a Kohen comes to marry a woman, he needs to investigate and check about her genealogy going up a few generations in order to make sure that she is not a mamzer. A mamzer is somebody born from illegal relations, or even descended from somebody born from illegal relations. And this Mishnah comes to tell us the exceptions when one does not need to check about her genealogy because it is clear that she is not a mamzeres and that her family and ancestry is pure. In there is no need to check about her genealogy and her ancestry from the Mizbeach upwards, meaning if one finds out that, for example, her father served on the Mizbeach, he was a Koyain who served in the Beis Mikdosh and on the Mizbeach itself, they wouldn't allow any Koyain to do that unless they had investigated about his status and made sure that he was totally pure. And he was a regular Koyain. And therefore, if we know, if there's evidence that her father, for example, or somebody in the family served in the Beis Hamikdash on the Mizbeach, then there would be no need to check any further upwards from that person. So you wouldn't need to check his mother or his grandmother, etc. You would still need to check other members of her family, her mother, etc. But once we find out that that a particular man served as a Kohen in the Beis HaMikdash, and then there will be no need to check further about his ancestry. As well as that, not from literally the platform, the step, meaning that's referring to where the Levim sang Shira, when they sang the songs and played music on a raised platform in the Beis HaMikdash. So if it was known that one of the, for example, her father was a Levi who sang in the Beis HaMikdash, then there would, no, there would be no need to check further, because it was known that they would have checked back then, when they allowed him to be part of that Shira in the Beis HaMikdash, from the Sanhedrin not if he was on the Sanhedrin, part of a major basin of at least 23 judges. You wouldn't need to check about his ancestry, and anybody whose father or ancestor was established to be one of the, literally, the officers of the public. And is referring to somebody who was part of a basin which judged monetary matters. Now, in general, the Mishnah Sanhedrin tells us that even a regular person, even somebody whose genealogy and ancestry has not been examined properly, is allowed to be part of a monetary basin. However, we're talking about a basin in Yerushalayim, and in Yerushalayim the custom was to only allow somebody who had pure ancestry and who had been investigated that he's certainly not a mamzer to serve on the basin. The Gaboy Tzedakah, or somebody who collected Tzedakah from people, these people had the right to take belongings of people who had refused to give Tzedakah. So they would commonly be argued against and people might try to fight against them. So if this person would have had some defect in his ancestry, so it would have been uncovered already. Because people are always fighting and arguing against him, so they would try and find these things out. So if it hasn't been uncovered, then we assume that there's no reason to be concerned. And then there's nothing to find. So all of these people, Masiyin Lakuna, they would be able to marry their daughters to a Koyain, and the person marrying her would not need to investigate and check after them to ensure that they are not Amzerim. Rabbi Yossi says, Even somebody who was signed as a witness in the court of a city called Yeshona, which was next to a more major city called Tsipiri, if they found a document where this person was signed as being a witness in that court, then it would also be known that this person certainly had a pure family tree and ancestry because that court would not allow anyone who they hadn't investigated about to be a witness in their court. 
Even somebody who was written down as being part of the army of the king, this is referring to David HaMelech's army, if it was known that this person's ancestor was part of David HaMelech's army, then they wouldn't need to check any further, because again, only somebody whose genealogy and ancestry has been checked was able to be part of the army, because that was part of the merit which they wanted in order that Hashem would save them. Mr. Vov, as we have seen, a cholol is somebody born from relations between a koyen and a woman who is forbidden to marry specifically a koyen. So, for example, if a woman, mar- if a koyen marries a divorcee, then any child born from that marriage, from those relations, would be considered a cholol. And there are four women which a koyen is not allowed to marry. Firstly, a divorcee. Secondly, a chalutza. A woman who has received chalitza, which is when her husband dies without children, and she doesn't want to marry her husband's brother, so they go through a process in the basin, which allows her to marry somebody else. And because that's very similar to divorcing, it's sort of as if she's being divorced from her husband's brother, who she's supposed to marry. Because it's very similar to divorce, so midrabonon, it is forbidden for a queen to marry a chalutza, just like it's forbidden for him to marry a divorcee. The third woman who is forbidden to marry is a zaina, a woman who has had illegal relations outside of marriage. And fourthly, he's forbidden to marry a chalola, who is the daughter of a relationship between a koyen and a forbidden woman who a koyen's not allowed to marry. Now, Cholol, though he's considered to be a koyen, he can't really have any of the rights of a koyen. He can't serve in this hamikdash, he doesn't get korbanis, he can't eat truma, and a female Cholol would be forbidden to marry a koyen. And although we mentioned one way of becoming a Cholol, as being born from forbidden relations, the woman who is involved in those forbidden relations also becomes a Cholol. Now, not only is the child who is directly born from this forbidden relationship between a koyen and a divorcee, or a chalutza, or a woman who has had forbidden relations, or a Cholol, so not only is the, di- the child born directly from that relationship a cholol, but the Mishnah says that Bas Cholol Zohar, the daughter of a male cholol, is invalid from marrying a koyen forever. And what that means is that a cholol's male descendants are all considered to be a cholol, and the daughter of any cholol is also considered to be a cholol. However, it doesn't pass down more than one generation when it comes to a daughter. A Chalolo's child is not a Chalol, but a Chalol's child is a Chalol. This is learned from Psukim to differentiate between a male Chalol and a female Chalola. And indeed, the Mishnah says, Yisrael Shnosa Chalola, a regular Jew who marries a Chalola, her daughter would be permitted to marry a Koyen, since the child of a Chalola, female Chalola, is not a Chalol Chalola himself or herself. It should be noted that why does the Mishnah talk about a Yisrael marrying a Chalala? Because if a Koyen marries a Chalala, then their child will be a Chalal. Not because their mother is a Chalala, but because that is now a forbidden marriage between a Koyen and a Chalala. One of the women who a Koyen is forbidden to marry is a Chalala. So the child of such a marriage would be, of course, a Chalal. Says the Mishnah, on the other hand, Cholol Shnosabas Yisrael, a male Cholol who marries a regular female Jew, her daughter is invalid for marrying a Koyen. She is also a Chalola. However, her daughter would not be considered a Chalola, because like we said, only a male Cholol's child would also carry his status of being a Cholol. Rabbi Yehuda says, he adds that Basger Zohar, the daughter of a male convert, Kabas Cholol Zohar, has the same law as the daughter of a male Cholol. And again, that means that it can pass through many generations, but through the men's side. Whereas the daughter of a female convert, or the daughter of a male convert's daughter, 
She would be permitted to marry a Koyen, just like the daughter of a Chalola is permitted to marry a Koyen. Mishnah Zion, this is a continuation of the previous Mishnah, and there is a different opinion. says, A regular male Jew who marries a female convert, His daughter would be permitted to marry a Koyen, and as well as that, If a male convert marries a female regular Jew, His daughter is also permitted to marry a Koyen. And this is unlike the daughter of a male Cholol. So Rebbe Yaakov is being more lenient than Rebbe Yehuda in the previous Mishnah. And according to Rebbe Yaakov, only if if a male convert marries a female convert, and both this woman's parents are converts, only then would his daughter be invalid for marrying a Koyen. And both these opinions are based on how to interpret the Pesukim. And the Mishnah adds, like we saw in the beginning of this Perek, This applies to both a regular convert and a non-Jewish slave who was freed. A non-Jewish slave, once he is freed, he becomes fully Jewish. So his status is exactly the same as a regular convert. So whatever laws apply to a regular convert would apply to a non-Jewish slave who was then freed. And the Mishnah says, Even up to 10 generations. In this case, it's the same as a Cholol, in that the prohibition and the status of the Cholol can really go on forever. When it comes to the Cholol, it goes through male descendants. Over here, the point is that if one of this woman's parents is descended from a convert, then that woman is forbidden to marry a Koyen. Unless one of his parents, the Mishnah uses an example of his mother, but all the more so if it was his father, unless they came and were descended from natural Jews, Jews who stood at Har Sinai, a woman is only allowed to marry a Koyen if at least one of her parents is not descended from a convert. So, so far we've had two opinions, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yezim Yaakov. Now the Mishnah brings a third opinion, the most lenient, Rabbi Yehuda says, Af gersh nosa even a male convert who marries a female convert, bitay kisher lakahuna. Their own daughter is already permitted to marry a Koyen. Rabbi Yehuda interprets the Pesach differently. He understands that as long as the daughter, the woman, was born once both parents were already Jewish, so she would be permitted to marry a Koyen. Mr. Chest, this Mishnah continues to discuss various statuses of people and establishing someone's status as being a mamzer. Ha'omer, one who says, he makes a declaration, perhaps he comes to Bastin and he makes a declaration, Bani zeh mamzer. This son of mine is a mamzer. There's a discussion as to whether he also testifies that it's his son, or that we already know that it's his son, but he testifies that his son is a mamzer, that he was born from him, ha- from him having relations with a woman related to him. Says the Mishnah, Ein and Ermon, he is not believed. The main reason for this is because one of the invalidations of a witness is if he is related to the person about whom he is testifying. And the father is obviously related to his son. And therefore his testimony is invalid and the status of the son is is assumed to be that of a regular Jew unless we can prove otherwise with other witnesses. And the Mishnah adds, Even if both of them, meaning a man and his wife, declare regarding a fetus which is in her stomach, in her womb, meaning she is pregnant, and both she and her husband declare and admit that Mamzer, who he is a Mamzer, that really the husband is not the one who made her pregnant, and she became pregnant from a relative of hers, and therefore the child is supposed to be a Mamzer. Even though in this case, they're not trying to change that person's status. He's not yet born, so he hasn't really yet got a status. Nevertheless, if they both declare that Mamzer, declare that Mamzer who he is a Mamzer, they're not believed, and there are those who explain the reason to be, apart from the fact that they are related, the mother is related, 
even though the father is not necessarily related, although we're not sure. But an additional reason is that the chances are that there's a majority chance that the child is not a mamzer. The majority of people who would have relations with this woman, the child of that relationship would not be a mamzer. And therefore really this person's status, the child's status, even though he hasn't yet been born, he already has an assumed status to go after the majority. And so the assumption is that he's not a mamzer, and they wouldn't be believed to say that he is a mamzer. Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Huda says, Ne'emonim, they are believed, according to Rabbi Huda, in both of the previous cases. A man is believed to say about his child that he is a mamzer. And it's specifically a man who is believed regarding his child. And Rabbi Huda learns this from Pesukim, when the Torah talks about a firstborn son inheriting his father and receiving double the amount of the rest of the children. So Rabbi Huda learns from the Pesuk over there that a person is believed when he he declares and he claims which of his sons is the firstborn. If it is not known and he claims that it's this particular son, he is believed. And Rabbi Huda compares a firstborn to a mamzer. He says, once we see that the Torah does believe and rely on the testimony of a father regarding the status of his son and can declare him a firstborn, so also regarding the status of being a mamzer, for example, he is also relied upon. And therefore, Rabbi Huda says that if somebody claims and testifies that his son is a mamzer, he is believed. And again, that refers specifically with a father regarding his son. It wouldn't, ref- it wouldn't apply to a mother regarding her son, and it also wouldn't apply to a father, a grandfather, referring to his grandchildren. Only a father towards his son. Because we would have learned that from a unique posuk, the one is believed uh, regarding the status of his own son.